great preschool parents. Welcome back to Raise Ready Kids, where month by month you master the strategies you need to raise kids with the knowledge, skills, character, and purpose they need to thrive. I'm Bill Jackson, founder of Raise Ready Kids and your host this month. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. You might think of these 14 words from the Declaration of Independence as America's founding promise. Our nation's most important advocates for racial and social justice have often invoked this phrase, challenging the nation to live up to its promise. For example, So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Alas, we've come a long way as a country, and we still have a ways to go. Today, I want to share some thoughts about how you, as the parent of a young child, might help bring the nation closer to King's vision for racial justice while fostering a spirit of curiosity about difference and tolerance in your child. Will your child and their friends truly believe that all people are created equal? What will they do when they see that some people are not being treated equally? Will they reach across lines of difference to build relationships and work for justice? Our nation's continued progress to create a more perfect union will depend on your child's and their friends' answers to these questions. So will the quality of your child's life. Will your child live with the emotional yoke of prejudice, even if subtle? Will they benefit from the range of relationships and personal effectiveness that flow from a deeply rooted conviction that all people are created equal? The United States will soon be a country where there is no racial majority. Young adults who are comfortable moving among people of a wide range of identities and cultures are going to have an advantage. You or your child may be black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Native American, or of a different or multifold ethnic or racial heritage. You may be raising a son or a daughter, and perhaps you adopted them. You may be straight or queer, cisgender or gender nonconforming. You may live in a racially integrated community or a racially isolated community. Regardless, 
As a parent of a young child, what can you do now to plant the seeds of commitment to inclusion and justice in your child? Your preschooler is too young for abstractions, of course. You can tell them that all people are equal, and you should as they get older, but they don't have the abstract thinking capacity or life experience needed to make sense of what you're trying to say. So you need to be more concrete. This month's Raise Ready Kids strategy, Roots of Inclusion, is designed to help you do exactly that. Roots of Inclusion has three parts. First, talk about racial and other kinds of differences naturally and positively. Second, foster inclusion as you introduce your child to the world. And third, take steps to integrate your family's life. In this audio briefing, we're going to focus on inclusion as it relates to race, but the principles apply to inclusion in other contexts too. Let's start with how we might want to talk about racial differences. Some parents, particularly white parents, think it's best to say little or nothing about racial differences. In their minds, they're channeling Dr. King's words. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The best way to bring that day forward, these parents reason, is to avoid talking about race in the hope that their children don't even notice skin color and therefore can't develop racial prejudice. The problem with this approach is that our children do notice skin color and they're picking up all sorts of messages about it beginning earlier than we might think. In fact, studies show that children begin to notice physical differences that mark race by the time they are six months old. Three- and four-year-olds regularly notice and talk about race as they play with one another. As early as age five, children recognize that different groups are treated differently. They sense that different racial groups occupy different spaces and have different social status. They see that some places have only one racial group in them, while others have multiple groups. Church has mostly black people, while the bus has white, black, and brown people. Or mommy and daddy's friends are white and Asian. The janitor at our school is black. They're forming ideas about who belongs where in the world around them. If we want to raise young people with a deeply rooted commitment to inclusion, we don't want these observations, whatever they are, to harden into schematic models that guide our child's expectation for how the world should be. We want to minimize the degree to which our child draws distinctions among people for the purpose of telling themselves a story about their own superiority or inferiority or the superiority of some people over others. The best first step to doing this is to speak openly, naturally, and positively with our children about racial and other forms of difference they are observing. Young children are curious and don't have verbal filters yet. They may make observations about skin color, hair, accents, dress, the way names sound, and the music they hear. If your child makes a comment, even a rude or uncomfortable one, don't shy away from the topic. Hang right there with them and engage in conversation that seeds positive visions and connections for your child. Yes, that woman has long braids in her hair. Isn't it gorgeous? You're right. That man's hair is white. That's called blonde. I think it's a wonderful color of hair. How many colors of hair have you seen? Yes, that man doesn't speak English well yet. He's learning. Isn't that brave of him? It's hard to learn a new language. Yes, Deshaun's name is different from the other kids you know. I love the sound of it. Deshaun. 
You're right that her eyes look different from some other eyes you've seen. Don't they look beautiful? Jennifer Harvey is a trainer and author who works particularly with white parents to help them raise children who are committed to racial equity. Speaking to white parents, she writes that if we believe racial differences are beautiful and we want our children to learn to see people of color as beautiful, we have to constantly and early name aloud and describe as beautiful the different colors of skin. This basic principle applies to all parents and families. We're accomplishing two things when, as Harvey recommends, we let the language of observing physical difference roll off our tongues and become part of the fabric of our everyday conversations. First, we're preemptively countering confusing or negative racial messages our children are likely to hear as they grow up. They'll be better able to deal with racial innuendo or bigotry if race is less mysterious and discussion is out in the open. Second, we're signaling to our child that observing and discussing differences is not taboo, which is important if you're going to keep the channels of communication open with them as they grow older and they're processing race-related observations and emotions. If kids perceive their parents are reluctant to talk about race, they may internalize that race is a shameful thing and they will be more vulnerable to the messages of people who want to exploit race to make some people feel inferior or to divide people. Okay, on to step two of our Roots of Inclusion strategy. Foster inclusion as you introduce your child to the world. White kids who grow up in largely white environments are at risk of forming a view of the world that makes whiteness the default, normal state of the universe. Even worse, because of the cultural waters they swim in, white kids can end up building a mental model of the universe, a schema, in which common virtues are associated with whiteness. Honesty becomes associated with George Washington, a white slave owner. Courage becomes associated with photos of white soldiers in World War II. Kindness becomes associated with their white aunt. In this schema, people of color are not thought of negatively in any sort of explicit way. Rather, blackness, brownness, and other skin colors in associated cultures never get attached to the qualities that young white people believe are most worthy of respect. Families of color face a related but different problem. The cultural waters may be sending their kids undesirable messages about what roles are open and what paths are possible for people like them. A black child with few black teachers may wonder, can black people be teachers? An Asian child who sees few other Asians playing leading roles in popular culture may wonder, can Asians be movie stars? Regardless of your race, one of the best ways to foster an inclusive spirit in your child is to help them see that a wide range of people, people like them and different from them, are deeply worthy of respect and admiration because of who they are and what they have done for the world. In families of color, the initial focus might be on introducing children to role models of their own race, while in white families, the emphasis might be on introducing children to non-white role models. For example, one day when you're using your phone to find directions, you might want to mention the name of Gladys West, a black woman who used her mathematical and programming expertise to help invent the model of the earth which enables phones to know where they are and where you want to go. Show your child a photo of West and tell them about West's extraordinary commitment to scientific research over many decades. Asian Americans are often perceived as math and science oriented. So you could make an effort to expose your child to Asian entertainment or sports figures like Constance Wu, Mindy Kaling, or Yao Ming. Your preschooler probably won't recognize or care that they are Asian American, 
but you're still seeding ideas about what kinds of people do what kinds of things. Your child may learn about Native Americans in preschool. When they do, make it a point to mention prominent Native Americans in society today. Maybe you know some in your community. Or do some research and talk about an author like Tommy Orange or a politician like Sharice Davids. Don't know these names? Neither did I. I looked them up and I learned about them. Latinos are pretty well known in show business, but they're leaders in business and science too. How about Oscar Munoz, the executive chairman of United Airlines, or Ellen Ochoa, the former astronaut? Again, especially if you're not Hispanic yourself, your preschooler is unlikely to understand or care what Hispanic even means. No matter, you're working to create a habit for yourself that will hopefully persist over the coming years to learn about and introduce your child to a diverse range of people who are worthy of respect and admiration. A related approach is to point out the character strengths of people racially or ethnically unlike your own family. Juan's dad is wise. Deshaun is a hardworking kid. Our neighbor Henry fought bravely in the military. This way, your child comes to associate character virtues like wisdom, hard work, and courage with people who don't look like them as well as with people who do. No matter their race or ethnicity, we want our children to think about these kinds of virtues independently from race and ethnicity. Which brings us to the final parts of the Roots of Inclusion strategy. Take steps to integrate your family's life. Some of us lead racially integrated lives already. We live, work, or go to school with several different races. But some of us, especially white people, don't. We live in fairly segregated communities and our children don't get a lot of exposure to people of color. Or the exposure we do get often reinforces stereotypes about the roles that different groups of people play in society, the kinds of stereotypes we do not want our children to internalize. All of us, no matter what our race, no matter where we live, have opportunities to mix up our lives a bit. Here I think it's useful to talk about the hardware and the software of racial segregation in our society. The hardware of segregation is the physical factors, where people live, our schools, our places of worship. It's pretty hard to change these factors. We live where we live and our kids go to school where they go to school for all sorts of reasons. Then there is the software of segregation. These are our habits, comforts, and mindsets that make it harder to cross bridges of difference to connect with people who are different from us. No matter your hardware situation, you always have opportunities on the software side. For example, you can make an extra effort to connect with a family at school that comes from a very different background from your own. You can reconnect with an old friend of a different race, religion, or economic class and invite them to a meal with your family. You can join a community organization that is more diverse than other places you inhabit. Regardless of which approach you take, you can choose to be open and curious about people of other races and ethnicities and what they experience and believe. Building relationships across cultural differences is more challenging than building relationships among people who share many similarities. So you should be kind to others and yourself when you hit bumps in the road. For example, when someone doesn't reciprocate your overture, you're playing the long game to foster a more diverse social network for the benefit of your child and your family. As parents, we are indeed in a privileged position when it comes to bringing close to the day that our nation realizes the promise made in the Declaration of Independence that all men and women are created equal. The steps we have discussed today, talking about racial differences naturally and positively, 
fostering inclusion as we introduce our child to the world, and taking steps to integrate our lives will not change the world overnight. But collectively, they will make it more likely that our child will grow up understanding that all people are indeed created equal, and that people of a wide variety of races, ethnicities, nationalities, sexual orientations, and other characteristics are interesting, admirable, and belong in their life. The further good news is that the effort we make to foster a diverse and inclusive environment for our children can rub off on us in wonderful ways too. Perhaps we grew up with parents who took little interest in people unlike themselves, or who exhibited overtly racist behavior. The process of raising our own children provides a fresh opportunity to discover our best selves, curious, tolerant, and committed to justice and opportunity for all. <laughs>